Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate and Educate podcast. It's Aaron Patton here. Oklahoma, I have one thing and one thing only to say to you. Happy summer break. Are you so excited? You made it. You did it. You survived this year. And now you're on summer. Oh, man, the beginning of summer. It feels like the opportunities, the possibilities are endless. Okay, and if you're not in Oklahoma, don't fret. You will get there soon. Summer break is right around the corner. It has to be, right? I mean, because it's like almost June. So, oh, happy summer and happy almost summer to all of you teachers out there. That is incredibly exciting. One of the true gifts of being a teacher is getting to have a summer break. And so I hope you guys, oh, I hope it's restorative. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it is everything that you need it to be. And more. Mm -hmm. All right. Today's episode is with Dr. Heather Michelle. We met Dr. Heather Michelle through Sam Fessett. She was on the show when we talked about her book, 50 Tips for New Teachers. She's one of four authors of that book. And so Sam connected us to Dr. Heather Michelle. And what a great connection. We are actually going to be working with Dr. Michelle um, in the future on some stuff that I don't want to like spoil the surprise to you, but just no, you will hear her name again. Um, and today you're going to really enjoy this episode with her. Now you need every single person listening to my voice right now needs to get on social media and follow Dr. Heather Michelle. You can find her on Instagram at teachers of color matter. It's actually teachers of color underscore matter. And she has She's great at social media. She has these daily affirmations that she posts that are so great and so good. Um, like, speak to your heart. There have been some days, even though I'm not in the classroom right now, there have been some days that I've, you know, just been, scroll- blah, 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 been scrolling through Instagram and I'll come across her daily affirmation. And it's exactly what I need to hear at the exact right time. So I can't wait for you guys to get to follow her. She's also really funny, and she has a lot of funny, goofy stuff that she posts. And she's just good. She is a teacher, and teacher heart has a teacher heart that just overflows, pours out of her. And I know you guys will really resonate with her. You'll really like her. So enjoy this episode called Teachers of Color Matter with Dr. Heather Michelle. Amplifying the voices of teachers. This is Relate and Educate. Well, let's start this thing, this conversation. I mean, we've already kind of been starting it, but let's continue on this conversation. Hello, Rick Holmes. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good, you know. It's uh, it's Tuesday where we're at, so Tuesday morning, yes. and feeling good. You know, it's not Monday, so yeah. things are rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's his and it's, it's good to be here. The weekend, <laughs> almost mm-hmm. there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would go that far, Aaron. I don't know if I. Would go <laughs> yeah, true. <that far. laughs> I'm being a little too optimistic here. <laughs> and yeah, then we are also talking to Doctor Heather Michelle. Hello, hello. Hi, 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. We're excited Glad to be talking here. to you. Where are you right now? I am in um, San Diego area. Um, yeah, I've been here since 2001. Never okay. thought I would live in San Diego, but here I am. But My here wife you and are. I love San Diego. That was one of our first together, one of our first vacation spots, and we just gravitated toward it. We love it so much. Yes. So, yeah, we've been all over that place. Are you are you mm -hmm. like north? Are you like south or east? Very or south. Very, very south. south. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so it's south of downtown, then, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's it's a great place. Like I just yeah, everybody yeah. wants to visit us here. You know, our family. Oh, wants for to sure. Like, it's, um, <laughs> you know. Just for some of the other professional things that I'm doing, it's a great location because people want, it's like a destination. People want to come to San Diego. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're hosting many conferences. Yes. At, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Love it. Love it. That's right. Awesome. Well, so what got you down in San Diego? Was it work related or did just life get you down there? Um. Let's see. So I, moved to San Diego from, um, Houston, Texas. I okay. um, was in, born and raised in Washington state. And, um, I got into teaching through teach for America. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I requested Houston. I wanted to go somewhere totally different than Washington. I wanted to, I, I yeah. spoke Spanish. I wanted to use my Spanish. I wanted to go somewhere hot. And, um, so Houston actually was my first pick. Everyone's like, yeah, check. About Houston, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I got placed in Houston, and then I did my two years for Teach for America. I fell in love with education, um, but I always had this dream of going to graduate school in um, UCLA, UC Berkeley. A lot of the research and um, just like literature I was reading in, in college came from California, and so I was like, I, I think I'm going to move there. My grandma lived in San Diego, and my grandma was like, just come live with me, and so I moved there took a year off and got residency applied to these different, um, <clears throat> universities. And then I didn't get into any of them. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. I get in. What um, a bummer. I know, but I totally, I mean, now having my gun, having, you know, getting my master's and then also getting my doctorate, I know why I didn't, wasn't accepted. I, I didn't have a, a clear enough vision of what I wanted to do. And if you're going to go for a doctorate or even a master's, you need to be able to articulate, mm -hmm. what, you know, what you're going to research. Right. And I, was, I didn't do that in my application. So, um, but yeah, so I moved to California to live with my grandma. That was an amazing year. And then I was like, okay, well, I got to work if I'm not going to go to school. So, um, and I had my teaching credential. And so I just started applying to different um, schools. And that was during a time when there were a lot of layoffs in San Diego. Um, oh, okay. But I got that one offer. I applied to so many different places, uh, but I did get that one offer. And that was a school that I stayed at for 11 years. Um, I met my husband there. Just a lot of stuff. Ah, that yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. What age level was it that you were teaching? Um, I've always taught first and second grade. I started. In oh, okay. I'm an elementary person myself. Yay! Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I always taught first and second grade. I just loved um, teaching kids how to read. That was like one of my highlights. Um, yeah. I kind of regret not going into other, I should have gone to upper grade or just done different things, but um, 
I was just really captivated by that. And that's why I stayed in those, that, those lower grades for so long. From talking to teachers who gravitate towards the reading aspect, they have a definitive way that they want to teach reading and literacy, oh, right? Great, yeah. So, and there are different ways to do it. And so I'm curious, what, what was your preferred method? Did you have one? Um, I think I'm in the camp of, um, I'm not quite sure how you would describe it, but I very much was about, um, doing diagnostics. So you knew where your kids were assessments, mm -hmm. um, doing small group instruction, everything very systematic, very, um, consistent. Yeah. Um, and so I really believe that you have to do direct instruction with phonics. Like I know some people have different ideas about phonics, but I think especially in communities, in marginalized communities where you're teaching students um, that are dealing with other issues, learning English for the, you know, as a first language, like, excuse me, as a second language, you just need direct explicit instruction around phonics. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, it really is. Because if, if you're, audience are people that when they go home they're not hearing english spoken in the house or, yeah. or what have you then it would make logical sense to kind of remediate that with phonics and and you know getting down to the nuts and the bolts of it yes you just need to be straight this is the situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> know your audience <laughs> yeah i mean that's so that's the way um yeah and i was a struggling reader growing up like I didn't read okay a lot later I don't know I don't remember when I kind of went off I think probably I want to say fourth grade I was supposed to um I had a I did not have a good school experience mm. um mm. for like a lot of different reasons but primarily one of my biggest issues was I did not know how to read and I was like um in all the remedial reading groups and um I really knew what that felt like as a mm -hmm. student. And so, um, when I was serving my community, I was like, I'm taking all y'all with me. We are going <laughs> to, you had to read and we're going to do it together. And we're, you know, I was like super dedicated to that. Um, yeah. so to yeah. me, it's captivating when you have somebody that, uh, I'm thinking of somebody in particular who was uh, first generation, you know, arriving with, with her parents, she was a kid and arriving and she just talked about how she felt so alone. And yeah. it's actually it's actually in the book that's coming out in August. But she talked about how she school just didn't work for her because mm -hmm. she was just thrown into a Chicago school. You know, it's big, it's diverse, and you barely speak English. And yeah. so her heart and her mission in education is really to look after those types of kids, the kids that yeah. she was when she was yeah. a kid, you know, yeah. helping them. So I, I love hearing those stories like you just mentioned, you know. Like yeah, you're my babies. I'm going to take care yes, of you. Exactly. I think too, and maybe you, you guys, you all have an opinion about this too, but like when you talk to teachers, all the teachers I've talked to, like in my research, just other spaces, it's like they, teachers have had a real personal experience with their own education, their own K-12 education. They've yeah. had teachers, they've had some, something, um, that's worth, that's worth sharing that really touched them. Um, and that's what I think is so powerful about teaching, right? You just, mm -hmm. as a teacher, you don't know what, how you're going to impact someone and you don't know how your mm -hmm. words are going to, your words are so powerful. Um, yeah. Cause how many times have you heard, like you probably heard teachers say there was that one teacher that said this to me or did this to me or made me feel this way. And like changes yeah. someone's 
change someone's life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a relay, but you have one teacher that shows compassion or empathy or mm-hmm. advocacy or whatever, mm-hmm. and they pass that to their student, and it's a seed, and it, as it grows and they become an adult, they want to do the same thing, and then that teacher does the same thing. So as far as a profession goes, you're just passing along th- this really good um, core of humanity you know, uh, rather than say pure success, greed, you know, whatever it is, you know, that drives some professions, this is just purely goodness and, um, good humanity. That's why I like it. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I like it. Everybody wanted to take a quick second to let you know that teacher's night out is coming back for 2023. And we're adding locations too. We're gonna be in Oklahoma City on October 17th at the Hewberg Chevrolet Center. And then we're gonna follow that up the next week and we're gonna be in Fayetteville at the Walton Arts Center on October 24th. And Gary Brooks is coming to do both of those shows and we're excited to see him again. But then in November, Tulsa, we're coming back with Kim Bearden, who is the co-founder of the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. She is incredible, and she's going to be at Teacher's Night Out in the Broken Arrow PAC on November 16th. So if you want to get more information about Teacher's Night Out, what it is, what we're doing, get the details on all of these events, go to relatetheneducate.com, and you can check all of that out, but you can also vote on what T-shirt that we're going to make up to give to every single person who buys a ticket to Teacher's Night Out this year. So go to relatetheneducate.com, check it out, and if you have any questions, please let us know. So Heather, you are not still in the classroom, correct? What are you doing these days? So, um, so I'm in higher education. That's like kind of like mm-hmm. my day job. Um, I also have a consulting business. Um, in higher, I'll go. I'll talk about higher education first. Um, so right now, I work for Cal State Teach. It's an online um, teacher education uh, pathway. Um, I also support their residency programs. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what I do. I'm a faculty advisor. So I kind of shepherd, um, small cohorts of students that stay together for their whole teacher preparation experience. Um, I observe them in the classroom. So I'm like, I do everything. Like I'm the way the model is, I like support them for their whole process. So I'm their professor and I do their supervisor stuff. Um, and so that's my day job. And then I also have Teachers of Color Matter, which is my consulting business. Um, and I host teacher retreats um, for kind of centering the experience of teachers of color. Um, oh. Not, not, not exclusive, though. I, I, I like to be clear about that. Everyone, benef- anyone would benefit from the experience. But I do kind of talk about teachers of color specifically and some of the things that they deal with that set them apart in education. Mm-hmm. Um, then, what would something like that look like? So if somebody yeah. was interested in that, what would they experience when they got there? The retreat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. Um, so I really try to make it a retreat vibe. It's funny, like I'll, I'll talk to district leaders and district you know, principals, and they immediately want to go to professional development. I'm like, this is not professional development. This is a retreat <laughs> um, space that... Um, we talk, I mean, you know, I have, there's a whole, like, there's a whole, like, um, 
table setting and it's very, I guess, retreat-ish as you can possibly make it. But um, yeah. we go through several, um, um, let's see, activities where we talk about the stress cycle. We talk about um, what happens in your body when you're experiencing stress. Um, we talk about what trauma is. Um, we unpack a little bit um, about what may have happened during COVID. Yeah. Um, and then I share with them um, kind of a key thing for teachers of color specifically, but in anyone really. But one of the key things that happens with teachers is um, whenever you are like, whenever you are serving um, a community that it ha- that you share experiences with, that perhaps you share trauma with, um, that's going to touch you in a different way. And so yeah. you cannot approach that task with the same level um, or you approach it with a different level of emotionality than someone that didn't have that experience would approach it. So for example, um, you know, I can talk, you know, I grew up in, in poverty. You know, when I saw my students experiencing poverty, that was, that was a trigger for me, you know, every single time I saw it. So it's kind of like, how can we create um, our own advocacy and how can we create advocacy within our school systems that support the level of emotionality that happens for teachers and especially for teachers of color. So we kind of unpack that. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, um, I'd share five mental health strategies that have worked for me in my own personal life. Um, and they are affirmations, uh, movement and exercise, reflection, um, breath work, and um, the think big, start small strategy. Yeah. Okay. That's, so, um, that's great. Yeah. That's so that's great. kind of a, that's a nutshell. Um, there's food involved, there's yoga, there's, um, you know, you know, all that fun stuff too. <laughs> nice. That's, that's great. See, I think, I think teachers, especially a lot of them don't do self care very well. Mm-mm. And they would, they would tell you that it's not a secret. But to have them go to, say, I'm going to classify it as professional development, where part of it, a core of it, is, look, we're going to take care of you because you are the most valuable tool inside the classroom, you know? Like, if you don't take care of you, then everything, everybody in the classroom suffers. And so I like that approach. And I've had a lot of thoughts and ideas about, you know, let's have a conference or, or a uh, professional development where it's fun to go to. It's restorative. Mm-hmm. You come yeah. out of it feeling better. Um, yeah. and, and, and it, which is tricky, you, you know, you have to hit all the bases, but I love your approach there. I love that, that you've considered that, you know, that the, the, the specific needs of teachers. Yeah. Yeah. It really, um, it was kind of my own journey that spurred it. Plus the time, that I think COVID allowed us um, mm. and just some stuff that was happening, like with my own kids during COVID. Um, I have an older daughter. She's just finishing her first year at Berkeley. And then I have an 11 year old, 11 year old and an eight year old. Okay. Um, nice. And I think the oldest one kind of sh- suffered the most through that. She was in high school during COVID. So, um, so anyway, that kind of like allowed me to get kind of clinical about some of these strategies um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always used many of them in my own life, but it kind of like encouraged me to think about this. And then plus everything that was going on with t- education during that time and still continues to go on. It's like, you know, I really just had this conversation, you know, come to Jesus talk with myself. And I was like, I want to do something. What can I do? Yeah. That's within my skill set. So, 
Yeah. Well, good for you. That is really good yeah. and necessary. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. It is. Another thing that you're doing really well is your social media page. Really, really well. You are funny. She does funny stuff. She does these affirmations that are just beyond just so wise and applicable. And you seem like you have a lot of fun with your social media stuff too. I do. It's, it's funny because, um, I'm a total introvert. I'm a total introvert. You guys, like I, (laughs) I am not someone like, I don't think of myself as funny. I really don't. Um, and my sister, I have a twin sister and she's like, she's she's the funny one. Like she's the outgoing one. She's the extrovert. I'm just like hanging out with her all the time. Um, but it's funny to see myself in this new way. Like I I do really enjoy it. I, I actually really enjoy it. Um, and I've made such good connections, so many good connections. Um, but it's a new version of myself that I didn't know was inside. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've discovered it and are sharing it with us because it's great. It's fun. Okay. So tell me about the affirmations. Where did that come from? Why t- just, yeah, start from the beginning. Oh my gosh. The affirmations. Um, okay. So I've been using, I've been using affirmations for a really long time in my own life. Yeah. Like I really believe them. I believe in them as like a mental health strategy. Um, I'm also like a words of affirmation person. Like I'm natural, like I've been a coach mentorship. I've been, that just comes super. I mean, you're as a teacher, like, I think that kind of, you know, comes natural to us. Um, um, but, and then I think I, I was trying to find something that, um, so anyway, you know, kind of thinking about what I just said about what was happening during COVID, I was trying to think of something that would really address some of the negative messaging that teachers were feeling in, mm. in the news and in our just around it was just so heavy like mm-hmm. um and the thing about affirmations is that if you are intentional about that practice you 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 really it really does impact your mindset you really do believe the things that you are telling yourself um and that you know i think that in a popular society um it's okay to like go to the gym to exercise your body but what's less popular and what and less I think adopted into our lives is this whole idea of exercise for your mind. Like what are some things Mm -hmm. you can do to impact your mindset? Um, And affirmations are just that, like, you know, um, I, I use them, you know, I I use them this morning, you know, I'm trying to manifest in my life um, that I want to grow more energy around, or I want to really happen um, or an identity that I want to develop some insecurity that I have. Um, you know, being a new entrepreneur, there's plenty of room for insecurity in that, you know, like, you know, you're putting yourself <laughs> on the line, you're out there on Instagram doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I have to be intentional about the messaging that I'm telling myself, you know, yeah. what, what, message, what, what inner voice am I using in my own mind? Like, what am I talking, how am I talking to myself? And, um, because if I'm super negative, that's not going to serve my, my efforts or, you know, my mission. Yeah. Right. So I think teachers are kind of not predisposition, kind of in some ways predisposition, but they're also working within a profession that not only gets a negative, a lot of negative um, feedback from, from society, but also in the classroom, there's so much room for failure, right? There's so many, there's so much room for mistakes. Like mistakes happen all day long, you know, and if you begin to kind of focus on that, there's no way but to impact how you feel about yourself. Um, And then that impacts 
you know, your efficacy, your, your identity, your, um, the intentions you have with your students. And so we, as teachers, we, we need to find ways to be intentional about that messaging and not allow, um, some of those just negative things in our mind, find ways to dismantle them mm-hmm. and dismiss them. And affirmations does that. Like, that's just it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It breaks that loop of negative self-talk yeah. that yeah. can be, it can be running in the background. You Sometimes you go deaf to it, but it's still there. And those affirmations break that yes. if for a time. But, yes. you know, it, if you can continue with those positive affirmations and those positive thoughts, then that negative loop cycle will eventually go away. You know, it doesn't have any space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Cody, she um, also taught three out of the four of my sisters. So we there, she had a bunch of us Thurber girls in her class. And every single morning, she started out with our daily affirmation. And I like myself and other people like me too. I like who I am and I like how I look. Like I still, all four of my sisters can still just recite it. And it's so, it was such a beautiful way to start the day. To be honest, as a fifth grader, I wasn't really like, you know, fully understanding. It was just kind of blah, 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 blah in some ways. But I now can look back and see what she was doing with us. Like she was planting, helping us to plant those little seeds in our minds, in our hearts of like who we are as people. And so I just, when I see your affirmations, I think I'm sure you use those in the classroom, just like my teacher, Mrs. Cody did. I love it. How did you utilize them? I love that. (laughs) How did I use them? Yeah. Um, I didn't use the cards that I created right now, but I did have this little chant. Um, Oh my gosh. Am I going to be able to remember it? (laughs) <laughs> I'm as tall as a tree. Oh, I'm not going to ah. I have it. I have it. It was like a, kind of like a Dr. Seuss vibe, Dr. Seuss vibe, but it was like a chant that said like some of the same thing, like knowledge yes. power. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we started that every morning. Um, and it's just, yeah, I think the way we talk to ourselves is so important and the, and the messages that we're receiving is so important. So. It is. And the negative messaging that we receive about our profession can kind of sink in to our hearts and where it just, it kind of, it poisons what we're doing. It makes it harder and painful. And yeah, so we need that counter narrative, the positive affirmations. We need that in our mind because we're not hearing, that's not the messaging we're always getting about our profession. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really sad, you know, that's a whole other topic. Unfortunately, but. teachers tend to, and we've talked about it a lot, is that they they don't have a framework for success. So they look across the hall at the person that's doing these yes. spectacular things, or maybe they're really wise or whatever, and they're always comparing themselves to pretty much everybody that they come across. And they just naturally will think, well, I'm just, I'm not a great teacher. I've heard that so much. Yeah. And so when you get a negative voice from outside of education saying teachers aren't valuable, te- teachers yeah. are groomers, whatever, um, it serves to reinforce what a lot of teachers already think very quietly and very deeply inside their heart that they're just not doing a great job, which is grotesque and I hate it. And yeah. I want teachers to be proud, like really proud, like deep inside. I am mm-hmm. a great teacher. 
and to be unashamed at saying something like that, you know, but it is very difficult. I would, when I taught, I did not think I did a very good job, you know, yeah. it's just the yes. way it is. Yes, Rick, I have to say that's one of my biggest, that's the sadness, right? Like I, it's so funny. Like, yeah, when I left the classroom, I didn't think I was, a, I didn't think I was a good teacher. That was probably one of the reasons why I left. I didn't have, mm-hmm. um, like exactly like what you're saying there there wasn't really a metric for success or there was but I could never reach it I could never get to what that I couldn't be whatever it was that was there I couldn't get yeah. it was not achievable for me in my mind yeah um and so yeah it was once I left the, it's funny once I left the classroom I did I had to do this demo lesson at the district that I taught at and that lesson people like also like I'm, and I'm not even trying to say anything you know like trying to like pipe my horn or whatever like but I'll see you know friends in the district they still mention that lesson as being like one of the less, best lessons they've ever seen wow like, what's so sad about that is in part of what's you know feeds my mission is like like why didn't I see that like why didn't you know that's yeah. so sad like that's so like you know, and that's part of like the insight I try to provide to my, you know, through the retreats and other work that I'm doing. It's like, man, it took me leaving the classroom to realize I was actually really good. Like I wasn't just average. Yes. I was a good teacher. Yeah. No, for real. This is my community. You know, I was up against so like almost insurmountable odds, you know, and I was putting all yeah. this pressure on myself and, you know, like that's what's really, that's what, that's what really gets me. That's what we talk about. Finding your people, find your group. Because yes. they can they can reflect back to you who you are. Yes. Uh, and tell you like I, I hear what you're saying about yourself and that is just not that's not true. You know, you are extraordinary. Um, but you are not this other teacher. You're extraordinary because of your you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Your yeah. characteristics. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's so critical just to have a, a really good and positive circle around you of teachers. Because people outside of education they just can't speak to that they just can't do it so Mm -mm. yeah find your people yeah can we go back just a little bit and when you were you know talking about you left the classroom do you mind digging into that about the reasoning of why you decided to leave the classroom um i was really burnt out i was really um I was really burnt out. I had stayed, there's a couple of different things that went on there and the, you've already kind of themes that you've already spoken to. So I had a really, had a pretty poor self-concept of what I was doing. Um, you know, I've said, I, I wasn't using affirmations at that point. I'll just say that like <laughs> I was letting all that negative messaging just come in. Um, so, and I'm part of it was I was, I had just finished my, my doctorate. So, you know, to give like a little context, I got married, we bought a house, I had two kids, all by all by working full time and, you know, in graduate school full time. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I was I was I am like a very efficient person, but I need to be careful that I don't take on too much because I can do it. You know what I mean? Like I need to. So that's that was a life lesson. But anyway, I left. So I kind of had I was like kind of still burning fumes off of all that. Um, and then I didn't have a community. I did not have a community. I, um, I worked at a great, on a great, I probably worked, I, well, I worked 11 years at that school and I never found my people. Um, 
And it's interesting because my husband works in sixth grade and I liked his people. (laughs) (laughs) He had a good group of people, but you need people on your grade level. You need people um, in your circle that you interact with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even necessarily that, um, you know, it's like I was doing, you know, I think also like my, my orientation towards, you know, social justice. And that was the reason why I was in that school. That was the work I was doing. Like if that's your belief system and philosophy, as you approach like the teaching task, that is hard. Like mm-hmm. if you don't have a group of people supporting you in that, mm-hmm. like I was just going above and beyond all the time, but it's hard to go above and beyond by yourself. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I was hosting events for my students. I, we were doing like, um, potlucks, you know, I was like, the, the way I approached my, my year was like, how, what am I going to do this year? That's going to blow the minds of my students. Like I'm going to, this is going to be the year they're going to remember their first grade. Like that's how I approached it. And if you don't have colleagues that also don't approach it with that level of intention, then it's, it's lonely. It's not, yeah. um, because you need to, you need to feel like you're having that impact and you're being successful and, you know, people, I felt really dismissed on my mm. grade level things I was trying to do. You know, like I didn't want to share what I was doing because I didn't feel like it was going to be received well or, um, you know, like it just didn't, it just, so that, I think literally that was probably the biggest thing was I didn't find my community. In fact, I, I found the opposite. Yeah. Like, you know, there were a few people that were super toxic and, like, you know, teaching is draining enough as it is. And then if you have to interact with those people and collaborate, mm. it's just it's like, like, it's just hard. And it's stealing yeah. your goodness and joy too from yeah. it. Like you're coming in there with good intentions and it's just stealing from that. Yeah. So um. I just needed to, um, I just, I just really didn't see a way out. Like I had, you know, I mean, I think now in retrospect, um, you know, I should have gone to a different school. I should have gone to a different grade level. Um, but I just didn't feel like that was, I just didn't feel like I could do it. I just kind of in a bad place. So so, yeah, that's, that is tricky. And it's, I I feel like a lot of teachers either feel like they cannot leave their job unless they leave the whole thing. You know what I mean? They'll go until they reach their end point and then they just leave the profession. Um, because they don't feel like it would be wise to leave the school where they're at or the building or the grade level or the classroom, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there's just this, at least I know what this is. If yes. I go to another school, who, who knows? Yes. But no, yeah. I, I just, I, I want to encourage anybody that's in that place to take the risk and, you know, move to a new school. Yeah. Try it, try a new profession without guilt, because again, you're the most valuable tool here. And that if, if you've worn yourself down to a nub, then you're not helping you. You're not helping the people <laughs> around you. And you can always come back, you know, and there's no judgment. There's no, um, you shouldn't feel bad for needing that change. And, but it's just like, it's so difficult to reach the point where you, ha- you either have to leave or you just say, screw it. I have to, you know, I- I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, if they did it two or three years ahead of time where they were still in a good place, it may have turned out a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. I tell that to a lot of my, you know, anyone I can get in front of, I talk about that all the time. Like, 
your your longevity is tied towards taking risks, going to a different school, trying new things, like like go to a different grade level, like just keep on mixing it up because if you don't, you're gonna get stagnant and that's not Yeah. Get a new principal. Mm-hmm. Get a new principal, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty common. <laughs> yeah. Not to not to trash principles. I'm not saying that, but it, it is a common theme that you just work mm-hmm. for somebody that it doesn't line up with how you see things or whatever. Try something else. Try a new building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I am feeling what you're saying is sounding very familiar to me, very familiar of just overdoing it and, you know, wanting to do so much that then you know, it's not, it eventually is unsustainable. And I hate that you got to such a low place, but it is so clear how you are using your pain and your, you know, all the stuff in the past to inform what you're doing today and to inform these new teachers and, and help be with these new teachers. And, you know, so they cannot have formed the habits that you did. And so, Thank you for turning that around and using it to help. You truly are. Thank you so much, Erin. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. In fact, on March, I can't find it. March something, you posted something and I'm going to read it because it's so very, very, very good. And I love, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it. Okay. It says, dear teacher friend, I see you. I see you staying late, working long hours, calling all these parents, grading all these papers, smiling even when it hurts, creating curriculum out of thin air. I see you giving big to your students and community. I also see you not giving big to yourself. If you give big, you have to replenish big. If you keep this up too long, one day you won't have the energy to give back to yourself. I know because that was me. Isn't that so good? Really oh, I just, I've, I screenshot each one of those and like I see that in my photos when I go through it. I mean, it is so good. And I wish I could have read that when I was still in the classroom. I think like I wish, and I'm so glad that teachers out there are getting to read this when they're still in the classroom. Thank you so much, Erin. That was really sweet. That was really powerful. Even to have that be read back to me was really powerful. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You wrote it, sister. I I mean, that's what's so sad. It's like you you started this conversation, Rick, with talking about how beautiful teaching is and what is special. It's just like so special, right? Like, you know, just making a student smile or just like just the impact you can have. It's just so powerful. And then like part of the drive I have is like, it's just, you have this like beautiful thing and it's just being destroyed. Like, it's just being like, it's being made into like this really hard task with all these like, like outside messages and just all these politicized struggles. And it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my mm-hmm. heart. And, um, you know, that's really, you know, that's another thing that drives me. It's like, you know, teaching teachers has such a big impact on me. I know I impacted my students and, um, you know, nothing's going to change that. I just, I just know what it's like to be that teacher out there right now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to make yeah. an impact where I can. Yeah. As a society, I think that, I think we all need to collectively learn how to hold education because yes. it's not, 
a school is not a factory, you know, a factory with metal yeah. tools and gloves and <laughs> eye protection. It's like a bird that you have to hold gently yes. so that it can continue to fly, right? So collectively, if we treat education as if it is something else, we're, we're going to continue to break it, continue to hinder it, and continue to drive people away from it because it's not what they wanted because they're driven by heart and love and advocacy and they're not getting that back. So that's, that's the way I see it. We just need to look at what it is, try not to make it something else and just handle it the way it needs to be handled. Absolutely. I, I cannot agree more. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. I want to start talking specifically about Teachers of Color Matter. Okay. Tell me how you started this. Tell me about Teachers of Color Matter. Um, well, let's see. I think, um, okay. <laughs> I think it kind of, a seed was first planted. Well, basically a lot of it came from my own personal experience. Yeah, um, and some of the issues that I was dealing with, like I didn't quite have a way to process it until I started doing research around teachers of color, ex um, ex you know, that experience. And um, when I started doing the research, I felt so like, like seen and like, mm. oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> like, this is, this is like when I, the more I started learning about their experience and some of the things that they were dealing with, I was like this, it just resonated in a way that I hadn't um heard and other like you know t teacher retention has been kind of my research area this whole time it's what i based mm -hmm. my doctoral research on um so i think it was a combination of my own personal experience but even in my doctoral research i i, I interviewed 10 teachers and five of them were um dual immersion teachers and just by chance um and those teachers stood out they stood out in terms of their efficacy their sense of commitments and um their beliefs about their students they said they were the outliers and i and what what kind of teachers were those bilingual, catch that. Dual bilingual. okay so gotcha dual immersion okay dual i couldn't understand what you said so gotcha. latino latina teachers latinx teachers gotcha. um, and so they stood out and i and i and i you know they were the allies because they had this additional layer of purpose and because they had that additional layer of purpose they were more committed to the profession. Um, they have that additional layer of purpose, um, of intentionality of wanting to make a difference in their community. They reflected their community. So they were able to, um, connect more with their community on culture and language and, you know, shared history. There's so many different links there. Um, and so I started, you know, I had, I did my doctoral research and then I kind of started learning more about that specific demographic. And then when I, left the profession, I was kind of able to see the overlaps. Um, and I had like these just aha moments. Um, and then it was just, you know, it didn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't too far thereafter. It was easy to connect the dots. You know, I mean, I, I started education because I really believe that education is a social movement. It's the one thing you can provide students with, um, that will sustain them and support them and uplift them out of their specific circumstances. If, you know, especially if you're teaching in marginalized communities, um, and so that, that lens was easy to transfer over to the work I was doing in this new space in higher education and then like in consulting. Um, and so the statistic that really got me is that, you know, you know, there's that statistic out there for, 
for teachers that teachers leave the profession at a, at a rate of 45% before they get to their fifth year. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers of color leave the profession at a rate of 65%. Wow, I didn't know wow. that. Yeah, they um, that group, that specific group, um, just does not stay. And I know, I, I mean, I know why. Um, but the other side of that is that the, the student demographics are really changing in, in American schools. And so we have, you know, 50% of our students are students of color. The importance of having some representation um, for students of color is really, you know, impacts several different academic success indicators. Um, and so that's kind of like, I guess where it all started. Um, and then just everything else that was going on in our society, you know, in terms of like racism and you know, mm -hmm. gun violence. They're, they're, like I said, I just was looking for something to do that would have a big impact. I'm just, I just am not someone that can sit back and just watch all these horrible things, you know, like. Yeah. Well, um, now, now is a time of a, it's a cultural world shift. Yes. I, I think I taught world history okay. and I would always place in front of my students. If you lived in Nazi Germany in 1938, what would your viewpoints have been on this and that? And they would be like, Oh, you know, I, <laughs> it, they'd be just like they are today. And I'd be like, yeah. I don't, I don't mm. think so. Like yeah. the cultural inertia and, and movements like that is very, very strong. And I, I see just like what you alluded to. I see this is a time where education has to rise up or it's going to get, uh, neutered essentially it's going to get altered into something that it, it you know it is either useless or something that is kind of weirdly like what it used to be but but not really um and what are we going to do are we just going to let it happen or are we going to rise up and express our voice and so i i think it's time for people teachers educators to see what's going on not brush it under the carpet and start to actually express our viewpoints and mm -hmm. let our voices be heard. You mentioned a minute ago that, you know, you mentioned the statistic of teachers of color leaving at a greater percentage than others. You, you said, you know, why? Yes. Why I is that? Why? Oh, I think you're on mute. <laughs> I think there's a lot of different, there's like several different reasons. I think that they're not support. I mean, if I'm thinking like higher level, um, I think generally speaking, they're not supported. Um, teachers of color. And when I use that word, I'm using that very broadly. There's so, I mean, teachers of color represent the diversity of our society. There's all different, yeah. um, you know, Native ethnic, teachers, ethnic, yes, Latinx, ethnic, yeah. Yeah, for the purpose of this conversation, I always feel bad saying that because there's so many, so much identity in that, which is that one statement. But um, I think we really need to move forward with the idea that that teachers of color need a differentiated um, support system. Mm. Um, and I and I say that because typically they um, join the profession because that they have that additional purpose and social justice lens that other teachers don't have. And um, like myself, I brought that lens to the teaching profession, but with that is also the weight of um, a lot of pressure to make changes with your students, 
um, mm. that you reflect the community that you are serving in any way, you know what it's like for the students that don't make it out of that community in a positive way. You know what it's like. You have relatives yourselves that maybe have been, um, have problems with drugs in and out of the jail system. And if you're a teacher and if you own some of that own experience in your identity and you're trying to make a big difference with your students, it's not just teaching them how to read. This is mm. life or death we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of pressure um, adds an additional emotional layer to teaching that is not really addressed. And so, you know, yes, there are um, white teachers out there that share that same lens. But if you if you actually bring that community into the classroom, that's something different. That's something that mm -hmm. isn't typically um, kind of supported and catered to. Um, you know, teachers of color are often the ones that that um, work at hard, those, you know, schools that are classified as hard to staff. Um, they're hard to staff because they have high turnover rates. They service a population that, you know, 80% of the students, you know, Title I, they, they qualify for free and reduced lunch. They come from minority, minority, minority communities. So, um, so, so there's that. They experience, um, uh, you know, overt, overt racism. If, if some of the stories I've heard, you guys, it's like, I didn't have this on my own my own education, but I have I have heard stories of people. It takes like ten years for them to become a teacher. Like, why does why is it taking so long for someone that is wanting to go into the profession that long? And some of it's you know some of it's things that we all you know have to deal with like money and time and all that kind of stuff. But other things are are obstacles like you know um, teacher education professors not thinking that they had what it took to be a teacher or. Yeah. Um, like like overt racism in our in our education systems. Um, we, I learned something that was staggering to me whenever I was interviewing for the book, and then Aaron and I like the what I'm thinking of is uh, Native American teachers in mm -hmm. South Dakota, mm -hmm. and we interviewed two, and I was shocked at the messaging that they were getting. They were teaching their own community. They were mm -hmm. teaching the kids where they grew up mm -hmm. and they were being told by people that were driving in an hour away that the way that they operate in the classroom was not how it's supposed to, to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it, Rick. That's and it. I was like the arrogance of somebody that doesn't even live in that community to tell yeah. a teacher that does live there and did make yeah. it out and got educated and came back and was going to pour back into their community to yeah. say, you're doing it wrong yes. is absurd. Yes. But it, you know, it, it wasn't the only time that came up, but that was the one that I've been thinking about since you started talking about this. Yes, that, like, and you know what, that experience is shared by a lot of people, you know, and then you, you work with them. Um, can, can you guys hear that? I'm so sorry. Can you hear the background noise? Yeah, yeah but it, it's okay. It's cool. We can hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're um, glad that you're here. No, just we the, want to hear your the experience voice. is shared um, in so many communities, especially if you're dealing, I mean, you know, some states that are really putting a lot of control over what curriculum is being used and what books are being, are you able to read to students and, um, even you know, how you it, handle discipline in the yes, classroom. Yeah. I mean, yeah. teacher autonomy and decision-making, that's another one that's really, um, I mean, that'll, that'll drive you out of the profession. Like, yeah. especially if you know what your students need and you haven't been given the authority or trust to actually, you know, implement that, that's, that's another, that's, that's an additional really dis disheartening thing that can happen. 
Yeah. Um, Man, so no wonder the percentage is higher. Yes. Yeah, no and I think too, like you know, just to say, just to revisit one one thing I mentioned earlier was that overlap. When you experience, when you're serving students that ha- that you have a shared history with, you you're you are retriggered. You 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 become retriggered in the classroom, and that's yeah. mm-hmm. I think an awareness around that just for teachers of color. Like I feel like if I just had that awareness, I would be able to manage my emotions so much more instead of just having just you know, like moving throughout my day and just kind of being impacted, but not really knowing where it was coming from. And it was kind of like this Sundays, just like roller coasters where you're just, you know, heartbreaking for your students and you don't know what's happening. You know, you don't know where the, all that feeling's coming from, you know? Yeah. Well, I, it makes total sense to, because if a comment is made by a fellow teacher or administrator and your response is visceral, why, why is that? Exactly. And maybe it's justified, but you need to do the work to get past that so you can yeah. operate. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Yes. That that makes total sense. And I never thought about that. Never yeah. thought about that before. Man, that's good mm. stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. I'm grateful that you are educating us and helping us learn these things that I have not been aware of as of until this conversation. So thank you so much You're for welcome. sharing this. And I hope more people are going to be learning and growing. And everything. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm checking out the time and we've been talking for a little bit. Heather, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we address? Um, I think, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, you know, just the whole focus on um, mental health. I think, you know, there's this focus on people of color in general. And like, you know, we talked a little bit about um, kind of a nation reckoning that's happening, but I also Mm -hmm. think that we're in a special time in terms of mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, we're actually talking about teacher burnout, which is something that we didn't even talk about when I was in the classroom. You saw, you, you could label other teachers that way, but you never wanted to be that teacher. And I think, um, you know, I would just really encourage your audience to lean into this moment, you know, find, find ways to lean into the, to this moment and in whatever capacity that you have, as you listen to this, if you're an administrator or teacher, principal, teacher, you know, education leader, any, anyone find ways to support, um, the wellness of your, the people that you serve. Right. So um and to you know really support that because i think that you know there's so many things about education that we can't change but we can change the way that we experience it and the way that we experience our life and the way we interact with people that we care about and our colleagues um and you know uh, you know i think that it's kind of underestimated or um you know, like you said, teachers just don't take the time, but if we as leaders give them the time, then they will take it. They, they you know, that they, they'll use that permission to take it um, and, and to take advantage of that. I really, I think we're in a good space to do that. So, yeah. That's yep. good. Where do people find you, by the way? Um, I'm on Instagram, teachers of color underscore matter. Um, I would love to meet you all out there and interact with, I just love interacting with, um, my audience. Um, so yeah, that's where I can be found. I also have teachers of color That's where you can order my affirmations. I have, um, a journal. I have a journal. The digital version is on my website. Um, I'm waiting patiently for the hard copy. I'm going to have those available as well. 
um, in Spanish and English. And, and yeah, that's, those are probably the two more most principal ways. Awesome. 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 Check her out. And we'll tag you and everything too, to make sure all of our listeners hear you. All right. So I'm going to wrap up asking two questions. My first question is for you, Dr. Michelle, if you could go back in time and have one minute to speak with your former self before you walked in your first class, what are the most important things you're telling her? Oh my gosh. I'm going to start crying. Um, I think I would tell her, (laughs) be nice to yourself first. I would say be nice to yourself first. You're the, you're, the most important person, just like you said, Rich, you're the most important person. And if you're not well, you can't be there for your students. You have to prioritize that. You have to. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. 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 You're saying exactly what I need to hear and still need to hear is like, be nice to yourself, be kind to yourself. I have these crazy expectations while I was teaching that I, could never have met all of them and then I hated myself for not meeting them and I still do that to this day and so I don't know just hearing you talk I'm not kidding it's just like something like I'm I'm hearing the words that I don't let my heart hear from myself very well so I appreciate it thank you all right and then the last question is what is something it can be anything teaching related or not something that you'd like to recommend to our audience. I mean, absolutely anything from a food you've eaten recently that you really like to a restaurant to a TV show, podcast, anything. Okay. Mine. Oh, what? Go ahead. Did you think of something? Go, go, go. Um, okay. I just got a frog frog in my throat. Um, limitless, (laughs) limitless. Um, it's on, it's on the Disney channel. Yes. Um, and it's limitless. And I can't, I can, I'm not going to remember the, the main character. He's the one that, um, he's the main character in Thor. What's his name? Oh, yeah. Um, the hottest guy in the universe. What's his name? What's his name? I'm looking it up right now. Oh, I looked up the movie, not the show. Yeah. Yeah. Limitless, he talks about like, uh, pushing yourself right physically yes. and mentally and things like that yeah but there's there's i mean some of the crazy stuff that he does but he it is like a five-part series but um a lot of what he says confirms what i talk about in um some of the themes in the teacher retreat and just also what i put up on social media um and his i think his story although he's like this you know um, chris Hemsworth, by the way thank you there we go thank you yeah, thor Thor. He's, you know, he's um, he's a superhero, but the issues that he deals with on a personal level are super relatable. He's got he's a lot of anxiety, um, insomnia. You know, he has three kids, um, and he talks about he has a lot of um, a lot of health issues in his family, which I think is also really relatable. Um, and it's just kind of what he shares is just it's there's I don't know I just found it really impactful and I would say that if, if you're on a mental health journey that would yeah. be a place to kind of inspire you yeah it really is good and you get in because he like does cold dips and all of this extreme yeah. stuff and I find myself like <gasps> holding my breath <laughs> and doing all of this stuff like because it's just uh you get so intense <laughs> yes. and the, la- the last one is so great I'm not gonna I don't, I'm not gonna say anything but the last the last um um episode i just found it so like so touching it's great anyway 
I watched oh, the first episode, but I, I didn't go back to it. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Rick, go I'm back gonna, to it. Go, it's good. I mean, if you like, I mean, I have, if you, I mean, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Oh, I dig it. Yeah, that's that's the good. stuff. I, I've done most of that stuff. <laughs> Just try it. Yeah. Nice. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Okay, mine is another TV show. It is not one that's like, oh, come here and you can, it'll really help your mental health. No, it's nothing like that. It's dark, super twisted, and I love it. Yellow Jackets. Have you guys heard of or seen this? No. Oh, it's so good. It's the second season. These um, high school girls got there was there's a plane crash and so they got stranded in you know the middle of a forest and stuff and so they've been in there for like a long time now but i mean it turns into lord of the flies just craziness and but with girls yeah with girls it is so good and then it travels in time for them like present day to and you see you know all of the craziness that they're into present day and then it goes back and see you know like kind of why we're doing that because of all the crazy stuff that happened in the forest and Wow. It's wonderful. I highly recommend it. And it's dark. <laughs> but all right, yeah, that's Rick. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. uh, oh man. I lately we're in that sweet spot in Oklahoma where the temperature could be it could be seventy two. Last yesterday it was eighty nine, but the humidity is low. So it's like fifty, sixty percent. Yeah. Uh in just a few weeks it's gonna be ninety, ninety two at like ninety five percent humidity. So Mm-hmm. What I have done and, and my wife have done is just we take walks every day oh. because I, I know that the ability to go walk and not come back and just be mm-hmm. sweating, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that that window is closing and it will close. And that's why we love San Diego so much because, yeah. you know, it's an all year round thing. You know, you can go outside. Yes. So anyway, we're, we're trying to soak it up, trying to get outside uh, and enjoy the weather when we ha- while we have it. That's wonderful. I love that. That's what we're doing. I love it. Okay. Well, Dr. Heather Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. So much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. Please visit our website at relatethenneducate.com. If you'd like us to come to your school, great. Go to our website, click on our speaking page, and see what all we talk about. And we'd love to come meet your teachers. Also on our site, you can visit our events page. We have some excellent workshops and really cool events that we are currently planning. We cannot wait for these things. Oh, they're going to be exciting. Also, you can check out our Teacher Voices page, which is exactly what it sounds like, Teacher Voices. It's a wonderful resource of teacher stories, teacher experiences, just all you can hear teacher voices. And it's a great way you can connect with them. You can learn and hear from other teachers. So check out our website, relateandeducate.com. We are always looking for more teachers to talk to, and you have a story worthy of sharing. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, teacher. You may not think you do, but oh, do you? And we want to meet you. We want to talk to you on the podcast. And even if you're like, oh, I don't have anything, which I know you do. I know you know of a teacher who has a great story, who has great experiences and lessons that we could learn from. So you could also let us know their name, their information, and we would love to reach out to them and see if they want to be on our show. So reach out to us on our website, or you can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at relatethenneducate.com, and I will get back to you. I am so excited always to meet new teachers. 
Have you pre-ordered your copy of the Relate Then Educate book? Because you need to. You really, really do. The Relate Then Educate book is wonderful. It is a bunch of different teacher stories. And they're getting out there. And we can't wait. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, you need to do it. You can pre-order it anywhere where you order you know, your books and stuff from. We will, le- we will release the book this summer. All right, finally, please like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Relate Then Educate and on Twitter at Relate Then E-D-U-C and the number one. And then on whatever you're listening to this podcast, please follow us, like us, leave a review. It helps us grow. It helps us be seen. Please do that. All right, finally, teachers, you are worthy. You are valuable and you are loved. Bye.